Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me once again to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 11. We're finishing up this series of through faith or have faith in God as we've been studying the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 for the last several weeks. We'll be starting in a brand new Sunday school series soon, but we have two more messages including today through this book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Remember in chapter number 11, we call this the hall of faith chapter, which we describe these biblical characters who exercised faith. And it says over and over through chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith. And with this, we could see that faith always produces action because it says by faith, and then it gives the biblical character's name, and then we could see the action that was performed by faith. This is a reminder for us that faith always produces action. Now, we know that the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 is not a long chapter. And the reason why is because it does not mention every biblical character who lived by faith. In fact, God by his inspiration only mentioned a few names. And with that in mind, let's continue as we finish up this part of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And notice with me in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, let us n- notice if you don't mind um, all the way back to yeah, Hebrews chapter number 11. It helps if I'm on the right page now. Hebrews chapter number 11. Notice with me starting at verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 32. Notice what the Bible says. And what shall I say? What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women's also received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These and these all obtaining a good report through faith received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. And if you wouldn't mind, notice a phrase that is repeated a couple times in this passage. Notice with me in verse number 33, where it says, through 
faith through faith. Once again, in verse number 39, it has the same phrase, through faith. And with the Lord's help, we'd like to hit Hebrews chapter number 11 from 32 on to finishing this chapter with this idea that is portrayed here through faith. Through faith. You know, who are the great people? Are they the one that appears in the headlines of the newspaper? Who are great people? Are they the rich and the famous? Who are the great people? Are those that have the biggest following on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter? Who are the great people? The great people of the earth are those who allow the Lord to be great in their life. Those who learn to live by faith. Those who are more concerned with what God thinks about them than what people think about them. These are the great ones. And through faith they stand the test. Notice again what the Word of God says, through faith, through faith. Now remember that it's not the amount of faith that we have that is as important as the object of our faith. The object of our faith is described in Hebrews 11 too, the looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the object of our faith. That's to keep our eyes on Him. That's exercising faith, is to keep your eyes on Jesus, no matter what. Be more concerned with Him than what others think about you. That's living by faith. I want to also remind you that Jesus talked to his disciples as he's preparing to go to the cross in the book of John chapter 15. We're not going to turn there, but you're familiar with that chapter where it talks about that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. He also describes that without him, we can do nothing. We can't do anything without Christ. This is why faith is so important to plug into him, to realize he's the one that does the work. He's the one that gets things accomplished. He wants to use us as human instrumentality, but we have to be dependent upon him. We must trust him. One of Jesus' disciples in the gospel record of Luke chapter 17 and verse 5 said, increase our faith. Have you ever prayed for increased faith? To pray for more faith? Well, this is part of what's included here. What does it include when you live in faith? What can be happened through faith? If you don't mind, as we walk through this passage, the first thing I would like to bring to your attention here is through faith, they subdued kingdoms. Through faith, they subdued kingdoms. Now, living by faith is an adventurous life. Without a doubt, it's an adventurous life. If you could imagine having the power that God can produce and seeing all the wonderful things that God is able to do, that's an adventurous life to watch God work, to watch God do miracles, to watch God do amazing things. And by the way, you can have that adventurous life. Looking at God do the impossible. You know, some people live their life where... I've got to wake up in the morning <coughs> to uh, go to work, to earn the money, to buy the bread, to eat the bread, to have enough energy to wake up, to go to work, to make the money, to, <coughs> to buy the bread, to, to make the bread, to eat the bread, to wake up in the morning, to have enough strength. to, And it goes on and on. And they're stuck in this cycle. And, and they wonder, is life worth it? It's just this way over and over and over. And it's redundant. 
But that's not the life that God wants us to have. May I say that God wants you to have an adventurous life? And you could see amazing things happen through faith. Notice these things that happen in verse number 32. Now, this is referring to biblical incidents. We could give other incidents outside of the Bible, but let's just look at the incidents here. Verse number 32. And what shall I say? And what shall I more say? Now, it's already gone through several biblical characters and not all of them within chronological order, but it highlights several biblical characters. But it didn't take time to walk through everybody who lived through faith. He says, I, I don't have the time to tell you about all the things. He says, I could, top and I could stop and tell you about Gideon. Gideon, who was part of the book of Judges. Who, when you found Gideon, anybody know where, when God found Gideon, what Gideon was doing? He was hiding. He was hiding. He was hiding behind a threshing floor. And trying to get his wheat because of the enemy would take away all the stuff if they found with it. And he's hiding. And God says, guess what? Gideon, I'm going to use you. And God says an amazing phrase. You're going to do it by your strength. My strength? You just found me hiding and you said you're going to get me my strength? Well, remember the theme that we have this year. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. Gideon, if you try to do it by your faith alone, you're going to fail miserably. You're going to have to get your strength from something else. The joy of the Lord. Looking unto Jesus. Living by faith. Oh, time would fail to tell me of Gideon. But we could take time. Gideon, who God used to defeat the army with just 300 men. To surround the enemy. God was able to win the fight. To, to use Gideon in his small band. What we see there is that it's not how much you have. It's the God that you have that makes the fight. That's the whole purpose of what God did to weed out all of Gideon's forces to the small force that he had. He wanted to make sure that everyone knew that it was God that won the fight. Not Gideon. And not his army. It was God. Notice again in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. It says... Time to tell you of Gideon. By the way, when he gives this list, he gives six judges, one king, and then he mentions all the prophets. Notice the next one of Barak. Barak also was, of course, used in the book of Judges. And uh, Barak was uh, working with Deborah. And some people give Barak a hard time that he was a little bit uh, slow to to respond. He didn't want to go without having uh, the comfort of Deborah there. Deborah was just giving him God's word. But why did Barak make this? Because he heard God's word and he obeyed. If you read through the book of Judges 4 and 5, you can see that Deborah said, listen, Barak, you go and fight Sisera. God's going to win the battle. And he did. How did he respond by faith? He just heard God's word and responded. There was nothing flashy about it. He knew that God was going to win the battle. And by the way, it did. God brought thunderstorms, clogged up the chariot wheels. The leader of the enemy army of Sisera ran for his life, decided to hide in a, in a little tent uh, by a lady by the name of J.L. And while he was sleeping, she took a big uh, spike and hammered it through his head. And Barak didn't win the battle. God won the battle. And he used someone else. Barak just had to respond to God. 
That's as simple as it is. Through faith is just obeying God's word because you trust him and looking at him. It goes on and says, what about a barrack? What about Samson? Now, Samson gives a hard time in the Bible. We look at his life and we like to study all of his mistakes. By the way, haven't you made a lot of mistakes too? Why did Samson make it? Because at the end of his life, he said, Lord, I'm trusting you to do more now than what was accomplished in 40 years of my life. And God destroyed more Philistines in his last moments of his death than the entire time of judgeship, which he judged Israel as a military chieftain for 40 years. And God destroyed more. By the way, Samson and Samuel lived at the same time. When Samson destroyed all of those Philistines, it allowed revival and victory to happen for Samuel. It correlates with the things that were going on in Samuel's life. It goes on and it mentions Jephthah. Jephthah was another one, a military judge. He was rejected by his entire family. They said, you're a pipsqueak. Your mom is not of good character. We don't like you. We don't want you, part of you. <coughs> no, that's not. Jephthah was the one who made the vow to God and looked up to God and, and responded. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll cover that some other time. But he looked up to God. Then David also, the sweetest psalmist, David recognized his power came from God. By the way, David didn't do a single thing to lift his finger to become king. God gave it to him. God's the one who provided for him. Then you have Samuel. I love Samuel. Samuel, who was the last of the, the judges and the first of the prophets. He was the one who was transitioned. He um, anointed two kings to be king of Israel. He was used of God. It talked about him in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 3. That dealing with God's word, that he didn't let a single one of God's words hit the ground. It's almost like having someone with a bucket underneath an apple tree and Making sure that when the apple fell, he was paying attention, didn't let a single one fall to the ground. He was that prepared to respond to God's word. By faith, he knew that everything that God said was important. He made a determination, I'm going to catch every single one of it. I'm not going to let them fall to the ground. It goes on and says of the prophets. We know, of course, the prophets were used. You know that almost all the prophets that are mentioned in the Bible were martyred in some way or another? But they live their life through faith. Remember, what are we talking about here? This adventurous life? Well, it's one caring more about what God thinks about you than what people think about you. There was many times that the prophets were outnumbered and people didn't want to hear what they said. But they still responded to God even though everyone didn't want to hear their message. Notice it goes on specific and talks about these things. Verse number three, or 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. How many kingdoms were defeated just because of the prayers, the, the faith? You think of a Hezekiah and a Isaiah who are standing outside and watching the Assyrian army surround their city and they prayed that, God, you have to defeat them. We can't do this. They just destroyed Israel. Now they come down here and they want to destroy us. And then overnight, God sent an angel to kill 180,000 of them. One angel. Destroy them. We've covered before in recent weeks how the three king 
kingdoms of Edom, Moab, and Amnon had joined together. And they were going to go defeat Jehoshaphat. But instead, they prayed. And God had those armies uh, turn on each other. And Israel didn't lift a single finger for the fight. God was able to, That's an exciting life to see God take the enemies. Notice as it goes on. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Notice this. Wrought righteousness. So through faith they saw righteous things come to pass. They saw things that were right get completed. That didn't look like they could be completed. Notice this. Obtained promises. Through faith they're looking up to God. And God gave them the promises that they made. What an adventurous life. Notice this. Stop the mouth of lions. Now this, of course, we're familiar, is a very specific story of Daniel and the lion's den. Let me remind you that those lions were not on a fast. They were not on a uh, Daniel-free diet. They were hungry. How do you know? Because as soon as they threw Daniel's enemies in, that not a single body part hit the ground. But David th- or Daniel threw faith. And by the way, the king Nebuchadnezzar, by faith had looked up to God and trusting that your God shall deliver you. And God did as they looked up to God through faith. Now, that's an adventurous story. You don't want to be part of that story, but that was an adventurous story. Don't you think Daniel had an adventurous time on that? Absolutely. The adventurous life looking unto God. Notice in verse number 34, quenched the violence of sword. There were times that that the sword, uh, the destruction was coming. There's a uh, famous story of the, the uh, pastor of the church of Rome. When the barbarians came close to Rome. That he went outside and prayed. And the barbarians turned away from Rome. Uh, there's all kinds of stories. Uh, uh, biblical accounts and otherwise. That the edge of the sword was stopped. Escape the edge of the sword. Think of David who by faith is running around. Saul's trying to kill him and David's just depending on God. And time and time again, David is escaping the sword. Notice again in verse number uh, 34. Quench the violence of, of fire. Um, we know the um, three um, young Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they're in the fiery furnace and God kept them alive from being burned. By the way, that furnace was hot. That Nebuchadnezzar had ordered that the furnace be put seven times its heat. And those who threw those three men into the fire, they were burnt just being close to it. And God had quenched the, uh, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. We think of Paul the Apostle, who God knew his weakness. Paul had prayed three times that God would remove that thorn of the flesh. And God's response is, my grace is sufficient. When you are weak, I am strong. You have to depend upon me. We know that there are weakness, but through faith, that weakness could be turned to strength because it's God that's doing it. We realize that we are falling short. Notice as it goes on, waxed valiant in fight. Think of David's mighty men. I love the story of David's mighty men. And uh, how it talked about you have one of them who had the sword in his hand. And when he was tired in the fight, he still claved to his sword and still won the battle. They, they saw great victories 
even in the midst of it, waxed valiant fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Aliens is strangers, people who don't belong in that land. There was many times that enemy armies were going to come and destroy. We've already given examples of that. Verse 35, continuing with the same thought. Women receive their dead raised to life again. You think of uh, Elijah and Elisha who both experienced that. That <coughs> you had the, um, the widow woman of Zarephath who was taking care of Elijah in the midst of the famine. And remember every day that she would make him a cake first and look and say, I got maybe just enough for one more. And that lasted for years. And that her son uh, passed away and she was like, I've been taking care of you. Why? And God answered Elijah's prayers and the boy was raised to life. Later on, his disciple Elisha saw the same thing happen. That he prayed for a lady to have a baby who was barren. Years later, that child died and God raised him up again. Why? Through faith, they were looking unto God. They were trusting God and his promises. Through faith, they subdued kingdoms we see. We're doing battle on a daily basis with the kingdom of the devil. The prince and power of the air. The Bible says there's only one shield that quenches it all. The shield of faith. Having this faith. Going into battle with this shield. Here they said they subdued kingdoms. But the Bible also talks about not only is it adventurous life. But it's also scary. Notice if you don't mind, through faith they suffered for righteousness sake. Through faith they suffered for righteousness sake. Notice as we continue with verse 35. Women received their dead to rise again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Notice that phrase, a better resurrection. Now, we know that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you are going to be resurrected with a brand new life, with a brand new body. And we're going to live in what is called the Millennial Kingdom. That's something that is promised to you. But do you know there is such a thing as a better resurrection? A better resurrection? You know, not all the resurrections are going to be the same. That those who live by faith here on this earth are going to have a better resurrection. Think about that. There are some people who didn't live by faith, and because of that, their rewards or their loss of rewards are going to be, <coughs> are going to be evidenced. It's going to be seen. For us, if you live by faith, you're going to be trusted with more. And it's going to be evidenced even in your bodies, in your life. We've got a whole series on that. But think about that. There is a better resurrection. These people, it's talking about people that could be delivered. How many times all throughout the histories you would have martyrs that if they said that they would just recount, can't. If they would say that Jesus wasn't real, they would let them go. These martyrs who suffered. You know, throughout history, martyrdom has been part of Christianity. In fact, there is a whole series, a huge series. This is a smaller bridge version of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Do you know for many years, the three books that were taught uh, just as textbooks through uh, schools and homeschooling from the 16, 17, 18, 1900s, 
was the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress, and Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs is categorizing, especially the full abridged volume, covers every martyr death from the apostles all the way up to modern times. Or when Fox lived, by the way, Fox, uh, who wrote the books, suffered and was martyred because he wrote the books. Think about that. Here's another one, a good classic, Martyr's Mirror. This here, just story after story of real life account of people who died. This is a powerful version too. As you can see, this is a big heavy beast. This, these are just chronicling some of the deaths that occurred of people who, who chose to live for Christ, who chose that I'm going to follow after Christ, even if it cost me something. Of course, not only it's an adventurous life, but guess what? It was a life that was full of fear, but they had to look towards God, looking for not this life, but for the next, that they may obtain a better resurrection. You could go through and see the stories of those that were martyred. You think of Ignatius, who uh, they say was an, uh, uh, a later disciple of Timothy. By the way, Timothy, the biblical Timothy, he was martyred. He started preaching in the streets and was telling people about the Lord. They didn't like the message, so they beat him to death. Timothy. You have Ignatius, who they brought to the Roman Colosseum and let loose uh, animals so that way the animals could tear them apart for the pleasure of all the Roman citizens who are watching. Many of you may have seen that famous painting of Ignatius praying in the Colosseum as they're getting ready to, to die. Martyrs all throughout the history. I was reading of one martyr who um, they were having a, uh, a ceremony serving other gods. He, he um, objected. And said that this shouldn't be so. This is not how Christians ought to live. And that we're not going to live that way. They tied his feet to the tail of a bull. And then let him run down the stairs of a temple. And let his head be bashed. They have other accounts. One of the famous things they like to do. Is when they were going to uh, martyr someone. They say listen you renounce Christ. Or we're going to kill you. They said no. So they would put him in a burlap sack. Full of scorpions and vipers. Then throw the sack into the water. And as the animals began to drown. They would sting the person to death as they drowned in the sack. They would come up with great inventive ways to torture Christians. Just to get them to renounce their faith in God. And yet they could have. Some of them could have got out of these situations. But they chose to stay with Christ that they may obtain a better resurrection. Go back as we continue on verse 36. As we go back. The others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Again, you go look the Apostle Paul and see all the beatings that he suffered for the cause of Christ. You think of the first martyr um, in the Bible. Stephen who... He had an influence. Paul even gives testimony. If it wasn't for the testimony of Stephen, as he was looking unto Jesus, as we were killing him, Paul would not have gotten saved. It had left such a mark in him. 
It goes on, verse 36. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. And moreover of bonds and imprisonment. Many people were in prison because of their their, uh, trust in Christ. Again, just look at Paul's life. Verse 37. They were stoned. We could see Stephen being stoned. Notice this. They were sawn asunder. Most people don't realize this is actually covering an event of a biblical person, Isaiah. Isaiah, who was a great preacher and a great help to uh, Israel. He was close to being 90 years old when King Manasseh took the throne. And King Manasseh did not like uh, the counsel of Hezekiah or uh, of Isaiah. So Isaiah being 90-something years old, they put him in a hollowed-out log and they sawed it asunder with Isaiah still in it. And that's how Isaiah, this man who was used of God to help King Hezekiah, to help these other kings, he perished because a king didn't like his message. But he was there to obtain a better resurrection, looking unto Jesus, pleasing God rather than pleasing the king. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. You know how many Christians didn't have a home or lost their home because they chose to follow after Christ? They wandered around trying to survive. We know the Christians during the 10 persecutions of the Romans begin to to have church services in the catacombs and the underground burial sites just because they figured that was the only place where they could have a meeting and not be harassed or persecuted. Notice as it goes on, verse 38, I love this parenthetical phrase, of whom the world was not worthy. These people who were killed, the world was saying, we're tired of you, we're getting rid of you. But God's perspective, God says, the world's not worthy to have you, I'm taking you home. Of whom the world was not worthy. Notice as it goes on. They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth. Here we could see, yeah, it's an exciting life, but it's also on a fearful life because you have to make a choice who do I want to please more God or man you know that's the same struggle that many people have today who do I please more God or man who is my main audience who is the one I'm going to stand and give an account to I'm going to give an account to God And that, yes, man's not going to like it, but we can't allow fear of man to stop us. We have to look through faith. That's the whole thing. It's through faith, through faith, through faith. By the way, faith isn't the absence of fear. It's looking unto God in spite of the fear. Pleasing Him. Pleasing Him. So through faith, they subdued kingdoms. Through faith, they suffered for righteousness' sake. Through faith... They stayed the course. Through faith they stayed the course. Notice with me verse 39. And all of these having obtained a good report through faith. (laughs) They were going to get a good report card. God says when their final grade came in, they got a good report. They got an A. Because... They were looking at God through faith. They were trying to please God rather than man. 
They didn't quit. They didn't say it was too hard. They kept pressing forward. The, all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now some of these people in the Bible that it's saying, they strove and they worked, but they didn't see their work finished. They didn't see the work accomplished. Someone else had to work and build off of their foundation. You think of our Bible, our Bible which is written in blood. That people died to give us the word of God and to pass it on. They did not die. You think of a, of a, of a Wycliffe. A Wycliffe was one of the first people who was determined to give the English Bible to the English people. Up until this time, the only available Bibles were written in Latin and English people could not read Latin. But Wycliffe was determined. He wanted to make it so everyone could read the Bible for himself. Well, of course, the uh, church in England, they did not like his, uh, his <laughs> attempts to give the people the Bible so they could read it for himself. And so they... Uh, they were determined to, to uh, erase him. He died, but they later on dug up his bones, put him on trial, then sentenced his bones to, uh, to death, and they ground up his bones and threw him in the river. That's what they thought about Wycliffe. Later on, the next person to come up to give the Bible into the English language was Tyndale. Tyndale, including uh, uh, in today, our English Bible, our authorized version, is 75% of Tyndale's work. Tyndale worked very hard to give us the Word of God. And of course, they caught him and they strangled him. And as he was being strangled, before he strangled, he said, It is my goal that the... Um, that the plowboy would know more Bible than the priest. To be able to read the word of God for himself. And Tyndale died giving us the Bible. So you had Wycliffe who was sentenced to death. You had Tyndale who was sentenced to death. As it goes on you could see person after person. Who was used to translate the word of God. And to give us the, the perfected word of God that we have. They were sentenced to death. They were killed. They were chased. They were outlawed. Now, do you think all these people who died to give us the word of God would be pleased with seeing Christians today? Eh, I don't need the word of God. They died to give us the word of God with the expectation that we would see it just as precious. And that we would appreciate it. And that we would love it. This is why through faith they stayed the course but now it's our turn to stay the course. It is our turn to see that this is precious. It's our turn to do whatever it takes to give the same word of God to the next generation. So they can carry the course at any time in a relay race. If you could imagine when they're passing the baton that as they get caught up, the other person runs beside, they pass the baton and they continue the race. Well, if you could imagine if there's four legs to it and the three runners have already done their best and they've been trying to keep the course and running the best and the last one says, ah, forget this and then wanders off. Do you think they ran so hard for the guy to quit? No, they worked hard with the expectation that he would continue the race. He would continue to go forward. Notice as it goes on, verse 39. In all these obtaining 
promise, uh, attained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. This perfect means complete or whole. This is carrying the idea that what they died for, to deliver the faith, to deliver the word of God, that they, their faith is going to be made complete and whole in us. Because we take God's word and we continue it on. That they didn't die in vain. They didn't just waste their time dying for the word of God. For the faith of God to deliver it to us. They have the expectation. No wonder if you take verse 40 and go to verse number 1 of chapter 12. Reading the context. So verse 40, those people died. They have obtained a promise, but their faith isn't complete. It's complete in us. Verse number 12, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with death so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is before us. We have people who've died to give us the Bible who are depending on us. For us to continue on. Not to lollygag. But to run the race. To set aside anything that's going to keep us from running the race. Through faith to look to Jesus. To run for it. We have this responsibility. Because of the blood that was shed. It was an idea that it was just a minor inconvenience to them. Many of them gave their lives. For us to continue on. We have such a responsibility seeing we're compassed with such a great cloud of witnesses that they lived by faith with the expectation that we would live by faith. By living by faith, they subdued kingdoms. It's an adventurous life. Living by faith, they suffered for righteous sake. There's some scary times to it. But through faith, they stayed the course. Through faith, we are expected to continue on. Because of the sacrifices they made, we have the expectation to take this seriously and continue. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.